Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reservations. We're your hosts. I'm Rain Whalen. And I'm... Garrett... McFuzzy Shoes. McFuzzy Shoes. I, I was going to lead in with McGladhands. No, we already did McGladhands. Well, welcome back, everyone. Uh, again, sorry for the week hiatus. I'm not. Uh, I mean, Jeremy's not. Um, if you happen to... Uh, you know, catch our update video on uh, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, couldn't get it on Twitter, unfortunately. It was too long. Huh. Um, as you know, we, we took a week off, uh, you know. But we had we weren't idle. We had a short film come out. Mm -hmm. um, that was so much fun, and it came out so well. It did come out really, really well. I was uh, pleasantly surprised. I have watched it at least a good five six times really i fucking love it uh we did such a good job you know i still maintain i think we should do like a video with uh me you and alex being like quote unquote interviewed oh. or, or just us like us just saying like yeah we really like doing like doing like a shot by shot like yeah you know in this part you know i don't know Wow. Would you like to see that? You should comment and that, tell us. Okay, hold on. So that, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just say that. No. Well, it just seems sort of like, uh, sort of like us just jerking each other off. You know what I mean? Metaphorically speaking, I'm, I'm assuming that's not no, going to be part of the video. We but would hide it underneath the table. Gotcha. See, <laughs> now, I, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I don't like that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's almost like patting ourselves on the back, which again, I don't like doing myself. Um, Dude, I think I, Alex did a tremendous job with the editing and the sound design, and uh, most of its success is due to Alex, right? It's oh, not yeah. the, you know, the B roll that he included in it was awesome. It was, an, it was. I incredible. wasn't expecting any any of it, and then I was so glad to see that uh, our buddy Jones Bones got a credit. Yeah, Jones Bones. Know. Yeah, Jones Bones got you know. I was I was skeptical. I was skeptical to even put him in there, and uh, I was wrong. What about Art Humphrey though, man? We couldn't get him back, you know. <sighs> yeah. What are you going to do? Do you forget that? Never mind. Yeah, thanks. I want to keep that alive. <laughs> anyway, um, so before we get into it, everyone, um, I just want to mention one thing. Um, during the break, I also took it upon myself. Uh, well, I consulted with Jeremy first, but I took it upon myself. And we have moved the uh, podcast from SoundCloud to a website called Anchor. If anyone's heard of that, it is really <clears throat> meant for podcasts. And it's able to kind of help us get the podcast on different websites, um, which is kind of something that me and Jeremy have always talked about getting getting a little bit more exposure. Um, and so uh, the episode should still be going up on SoundCloud as well, but Anchor is going to be the main one from now on. Um, and one more update, and then we're going to get into the episode. Um, be sure you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um we really need everyone's help for future episodes because we really want these episodes to have exposure. I don't like saying shit like this, but we do. <laughs> when I briefly had a YouTube channel, I fucking hated saying this kind of shit. But we do need, we do want some exposure. We want, you know, so share our Twitter around. You know, the Twitter is on the website. It's on the Anchor website. It's on pretty sure i put it on the facebook if what's not. the um how do you get to our anchor thing what is it, um, is it it's uh, anchor.fm slash and it should just be reservations hyphen 19 okay because we started in 2019 link in the description um yes. i'm sure uh, by then by then it'll be there i don't know yes. um right now there is no description but when you're listening to this story, um yes i agree you know, it's it's like, will you please tell people about us, <laughs> please? But, but you know, but at it, the same time, it's like, hey, hey. But for real though, like, I I enjoy doing this. Yes. And I enjoy talking about movies. I enjoy discussing, analyzing, deconstructing. I want other people to listen to it. I mean, this is why I do this instead of you staying know, at home. Yeah. This is why. <laughs> this gives me a reason to get out of my house. This is. This is why there's a microphone in front of me when I'm doing this instead of there uh, not being heroin like in the short. You know. Instead of heroin, <laughs> keeps the demons at bay. So, <laughs> um, 
So I guess what I'm trying to say is share this or I'm going to go back to doing heroin. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. You have no you have no idea how, how hard it was to get him off the heroin in the first place. And I'm jonesing. So. <laughs> um, no, obviously Jeremy does not have a heroin addiction. But, you know, if y'all could just, you know, share it around, you know, show your friends, you know, other film lovers, uh, even if someone doesn't really like film, you know, I feel like, you know, we explain it for anyone to understand. You know, I know I at least try to. I know oh, sometimes yeah. I, you don't really care. No, I'm sometimes a little too snobby and and too scholastic for my own good. I'll <laughs> I'll work on that. Maybe. Or maybe. maybe I won't. No, I don't think you should. Okay, good. Um, but yeah, you know, um, just like, again, follow us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, again, all these links are on the Anchor website. I'll put a, we'll put a link in the description. We'll even put a link on the Facebook on all three. Um, the links are also on the website. So, sorry. Uh, but yeah, um, yes. So, to the episode, um, this has been like two seasons in the making. I think you wanted to do this back in two, uh, season two. Yeah, I, I got the idea. I was I was watching Fistful of Dollars. And... I was watching it and I was like, oh, you know, it'd be really cool. We could do this. We could do a two-parter. I And immediately the titles rushed into my head and I got really excited because I, I loved the title because I loved the dialogue. And I was like, let's do it. We're doing it. And then it we just, just ran out of time. Yeah. We, we never did it in season two. And then season three, we moved, got into the media room. And season three, we were kind of... I would say we were kind of up in the air with the episodes. We didn't really know. We weren't kind of like laser focused in like we were with season two. Yeah, I, you know, it, it was kind of shooting from the hip to keep with the genre. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, it, it, you know, it was, you're right. A little less organized, whatever. Yeah, uh, I feel like this season. Not to mean that we couldn't have done it. It's not. It didn't take yeah. much to do it this time. But I mean, it was yeah. you know no big deal. Uh, but this is exciting. So yes. I want to do things a little bit different. Meaning, I don't want to set. I don't want to start with synopses. Okay. I, I don't want to do that this time. Okay. I, I want to jump right into it. Gotcha. And we can go movie by movie. That's not a big deal. We we don't have to jump back and forth. But I do just want to just get right into it. Okay. Because. This is probably one of the greatest trilogies. I, w- I would absolutely agree. Um, I felt like I, each sequel progressively got better. Yes. Uh, and that would be the consensus. Right. Um, so before, before before we really get into it, if anyone remembers our two-parter of Back to the Future, we did Back to the Future 1 in one part, and then 2 and 3 in part 2. With this trilogy, we're doing 1 and 2 in part 1, and then the third movie will get its own episode. And there is a very special reason because I <coughs> I'm watching the extended cut, which is three hours long. So no shit. Yeah, I um, might need to watch that then. Yeah, because I watched the one that you gave me. Yeah, and mine just happened to come with the extended, and I was like, well, anytime it's an option, I always go for extended because yeah. you know extra footage, extra whatever. Absolutely. I right. told someone today that who had never seen Lord of the Rings. I was like, well, <clears throat> when you finally grow up and watch it, um, <laughs> uh, you ball out and you watch the extended. That's yeah. nine hours worth of movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's, Anyways. I mean, it's like, did you even watch the movie? Did you even Lord of the Rings? Did you did you even understand what Peter Jackson was trying to say? Exactly. Okay. Well, Jeremy, since this was your idea, I will let you proceed. So let's start. Sergio Leone's... Fistful of dollars. All right. Yes. This is this is gonna blow your mind. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm ready. Clint Eastwood's first starring role. I actually kind of knew that because Ashley's Paul when I was finishing the final movie, which if anyone knows the final movie that you know, but I'm gonna save the title for the yeah, last right. one. Uh, he was like, "Yeah, th- these movies made his career." I was like, "Really?" Yeah, you would think Rawhide <clears throat> did. It did not. Yeah, that's what he was saying, that he was a guest spot on Rawhide. and Yeah, Rawhide was, you know, it's not, this movie is, 
it's successful because it's so different. It's such a departure from your normal Western, right? Mm-hmm. I put it to you like this. Okay. John Wayne will save you. Clint Eastwood will kill you. Yeah. That's the difference, yeah. right? So up until this point, you know, Westerns were mostly heroic. They were, you know, their morals were right there, right? They have codes. They're going to try to save you. They're not going to try to kill you. Everything's black and white. Or not necessarily. You know, The Searchers is in color and it's phenomenal. No, no, no. I meant. Oh, yeah. Yeah. White hat, black hat. I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, more like. Everything is black. You know, right, the decisions right, right, right. are black. Oh, right, 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 right. That's what I mean. And, you know, the it's follows a straight narrative, all that stuff. Right. This really started this sort of moral, ambiguous, uh, gritty, violent, and deadly uh, Western motif, right? Yeah. Um, Still keeping with some of the traditional Western motifs, right? Right. But, you know, later on when we get to the sequels, I mean, we're showing things that Hollywood wouldn't normally show. Yeah. Uh, And we'll get to that. Um, But in this one, it's just... (laughs) I mean, the body counts are in the 40s and 50s, right? And it's mostly by one person doing it, right? Um, the the villains aren't the most violent person on screen anymore, right? Yeah. You know, Clint Eastwood's Joe in Fistful of Dollars is just as violent and just as deadly as the antagonist. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Unheard yeah. of. Yeah, I read that uh, he is, the character is the most notorious anti-hero. Yeah. Uh, ever. Yeah. I, I I would agree with that. Uh, he is my favorite Western protagonist. Um, no offense to John Wayne. John Wayne's a little too clean cut for me. I, I like I like my stuff violent. I like it gritty. You know. Yeah. Raw. This is it. This is what you're looking for. Right. Um, and it just so happened to be a spaghetti Western. Yeah, which is something that you know, because it, it it doesn't it doesn't. The only thing that really feels like it, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it in a minute, um, but it didn't feel like a spaghetti western. No. Well, then again, of course, I have not seen many original spaghetti westerns in my movie going experience, but it didn't feel like one. It it felt like a western. Right. And a lot of it just has to do with they, they choose locations that look a lot like barren American land, right? Right. Obviously, it's not. Uh, it's in Spain. It's in Italy. It's right. Mm-hmm. And so that helps a lot. Using American actors helps a lot, right? No. Uh, because up until that point, they didn't really have to. Right. Um, you have later you have uh, the Django series uh, with Franco Nero, and those are strictly in Italian. Right. right. And so it that would feel more like a spaghetti western because they're not speaking English. Right. Right. And of course, in this one, especially in the first one, Clint Eastwood's the only one speaking English. Yeah. Right. Uh, everyone else is dubbed over, um, which is how. If, as you know now, uh, yeah. as um, Leo DiCaprio helped you learn, and um, once upon a time in Hollywood, and how uh, Dr. Whitney at Texas Tech helped me learn that uh, Italian filmmakers just use whichever actor they want, no matter what language they speak, and they just have them dubbed over. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, w- I was telling, um, <clears throat> telling Ashley's Paul that, you know, if I didn't know that, I probably wouldn't. It probably wouldn't have. I probably would have figured it out, but yeah. immediately I probably would have been like, "Oh, okay," because the mouth movements and the actual dialogue aren't that far off. No, which Not is necessary. very impressive yeah. for 1964. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I knew it, I was like, "Oh, fuck." Well, and normally that would bother me mm-hmm. that they don't match up, but because I know it's number one on purpose. 
Number two, it's because they're not speaking the language. Right. Right? Then it's fine because they'll never match up. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not my TV. It's not my player. It's not whatever. Right. Right? It's because that's how it is. And uh, I meant to say this earlier on, but speaking of the fact that, you know, this is the second time we're doing a two-part episode, um, we technically saw some of this in the previous two-part episode, Back to the Future Part 2. Yes. Uh, Biff is watching A Fistful of Dollars. Yes, he is. In his uh, jacuzzi. That's right. Um, and it's the very, very end yeah. where he's wearing the, the bulletproof vest, right? Yeah. Uh, but this brings a uh, a little fun thing that connects the two. So, all right. What makes Fistful of Dollars and For a Few Dollars more really interesting is that, number one, originally, much like Back to the Future... It wasn't supposed to be a trilogy, right? Okay. Uh, Sergio wanted to do one, and he was, it's going to be this one, and then we're done, you know? Mm. Uh, he got into a falling out with the production company or the producer. I don't remember which one. I'm sorry. I read it today. Um, a horrendous falling out. Oof. Oof. To oof. where um, once de- it was decided they were going to do another one, the production or the producer said, well, I own Joe, so good luck. Which changes the entire trilogy altogether. It is a an, a non-creative decision. To change his name? To make him the man with no name. He could have been Joe the entire way through. But hmm. legally, he is not the same character in all three. Oh, okay. Creatively, he is, right? Yeah, uh, and Clint plays him that right. way. They're wearing the same clothes. You can see the mended bullet holes in the poncho and for a few dollars more. It is the same person. Legally, he's not. Hmm. Because he can't be, right? See, I was I was wondering why, why it's referred to as the Man With No Name trilogy. Right. Because legally he couldn't be. That's interesting. Isn't that really interesting? That so is. this, again, this bureaucratic... Or, or you know, legal battle dispute changes the entire narrative of this trilogy. Because I'm assuming then Sergio was like, "Oh yeah, we'll watch this." Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, his name is uh, Manco. Manco, which is Italian, roughly for one arm, because in that one. He always has his hand on his gun, his right hand, mm. and he does everything else with his left hand. And so, just I don't know if you noticed, but uh, well, yeah, 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 I kind of figured because that. it was always kind of hiding under his poncho, mm-hmm. right? And he would be doing things with his left hand. Um, again, <laughs> yes, he is the same person. It is insinuated he is the same person, but legally, he's not the same person. Okay, and almost to prove it. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. Almost to prove it, we have Gian Volante playing different antagonists in both movies. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, that tripped me up. Right, exactly. Because you're like, that guy looks like the guy who shot him in Fistful of Dollars, but it can't be because they killed him in Fistful of Dollars. Yeah, yeah, they killed Ramon. Right. But he's not Ramon anymore. Yeah. Uh, He's, what is the name? Uh, El, El Indio. Yeah, the Indian. Right. El Indio, in the second one, for a few dollars more, my favorite antagonist, by the way, uh, is he's, he's a lot more uh, sinister than Ramon. Right, and this is where we break more Hollywood rules, but we'll get to them. Okay. The, the reason I bring it up at all is just because it's just so interesting. It's almost like, to put it in modern day terms and to put it in more of a contemporary frame of mind, it's almost like an American horror story. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> These are the same actors, but they're playing different people, right? Right. In a shared universe. Right. Right? And so, I know that's a lame comparison, but that's all I got. Well, I mean, it make, I, mean I, I, I can see that. Or, as that's some, like, I could see that, how, how Sergio would present that, like... Well, like, oh, yeah. well as you can see, Gian Valente is, is playing not, someone. It's not wrong. <laughs> so, do what you want, because... <laughs> Boom, lawyered. You know what I mean? He just drops that big book. Yeah. Boom. Lawyered. It, it says laws on the uh, <laughs> on the leather bound book. <laughs> Boom, laws. Um, 
Which is really interesting because then we get the Lee Van Cleef mm-hmm. characters yep. later, right? Right. Again, my favorite Lee Van Cleef is for a few dollars more. But again, we'll get there. Yes. Um, now it's time for my my sort of uh, my favorite thing about this uh, this trilogy is it's there there are subtle nods to let you know we're in the same universe. Okay. So in Fistful of Dollars, right. he rides up to the town. He looks up. There's a noose. It's my. I have. I, I know you guys can't see this. We'll put a picture up on the website. But yeah. I have the Japanese poster as my background. Nice. Right. It's him looking up at the noose. It's so cool. Anyway, probably one of my favorite uh, images in the whole movie. And then he walks up to the town. Right. The town is this white adobe houses and mm-hmm. right. Okay. In the second one, uh, he is following El Indio and his crew to a town. And they pull up to the town. He says, if you want to prove yourself, go to this town. Prove you can shoot. Ready, go. And he walks up. It's the same town (laughs) as Fistful of Dollars, right? Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like, you know, it's sort of like this nostalgic sort of thing. The music swells. People keep looking at him as if they recognize him out of their windows, yeah. right? It's super cool, right? But what's even cooler is I know what you will love is that uh, this has, of course, been replicated, uh, this walking into this white adobe uh, building town. Mm, yeah, yeah, I know where you're going. Has been replicated before, mm-hmm. many places, but most recently in The Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. And the reason why I really gravitated towards The Mandalorian... and. In case we haven't established it before, Jeremy is not a Star Wars no, fan. and I'm not. And, you know, I, I don't like Star Wars, really. Uh, I can appreciate Star Wars. I can watch the original trilogy just fine. I mean, I give you credit for that. But it's not really my thing. But The Mandalorian was so cool because it's fistful of dollars in space, right? Yeah. And so when he walks up to that town, I'm like, holy shit. He is Joe, you know? Yeah, this I'm, is the coolest shit. I mean, you know, and, and technically he doesn't have a name. Right. You know, they just call him Mando, Mandalorian for short, you know? Amazing. A lone gunman. Right. Pretty much. Yeah. And a bounty hunter. And that's something I, that I was really excited about because, you know, I haven't I hadn't seen any of these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I've heard of the third one. And again, if you know the third one, don't leave it in the comments. We'll we'll get there. I mean, it's do, I, I wanna, it's wide knowledge, but it's yeah, fine. Anyway, why we're keeping it from you, I don't. Uh, know. Anyway, uh, and so you know, I love the Mandalorian show, and I knew that the Man with No Name trilogy was heavily one of the big influences for the Mandalorian. So that when you finally decided it was time to do this, I was like, okay, like okay, like I want to see what inspired that and. Loved all three films. I I loved Clint. Clint Eastwood can do no wrong. Right. Um, as this lone gunman, you know, especially in Fistful of Dollars, playing both ends against the middle. Yeah. Because he he just wants money and yeah to get the fuck out. Yeah, he wants money and he wants to leave. Because uh, um, he he doesn't want to stay in one place, right? Yeah. And you know, which is. Really, the the point of his character is not to know anything about him. Yeah. Right? Because we don't need to know his... His origin. No, and and his, you know, his reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he just doesn't. You know what I mean? We yeah. assume he may have a family somewhere. Who knows? I yeah. doubt it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But all he wants to do is survive. All he wants to do is make money. And we, we get to find out what happens when he gets some money later on. Yeah. But... Uh, you know, that's all he really wants. And he doesn't, It again, his moral compass is all over the place. Yeah. Which we will later get a lot of in the third installment. Oh, yeah. Um, where it's just like, wait, whose side is he on? He's on his side, and he always has been, right? Yep. It's like, you know, again, comparing him to John Wayne, which I, I'm sure that a lot of people will want to do. Uh, because they're both powerhouses in the Western film right. world, right? Mm-hmm. I, I can't think of another. Maybe Jimmy Stewart's another one. Uh, maybe 
Steve McQueen, if you want to count Dead or Alive, and a couple others. Um, but anyway, comparing him to John Wayne. Mm-hmm. Again, John Wayne is a hero, right? right? He is the knight in shining armor, whereas Clint's characters usually uh, aren't. Yeah. They, they will save you if it benefits them, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, I, I think yeah. the I think the most saving from a um, uh, a uh, altruistic standpoint is when he saves uh, Marisol, yes, Jorge and Jesus, yes. He had he had nothing to gain from doing that. No, and when she asks why, he says, "Because I knew someone in your position, and I wish someone would have helped them." And that was that, that. I think that was the most altruistic, right? Thing. And you can even argue, which we, we, you know, if this were a philosophy podcast, we could argue that all selfless acts are selfish, right? Because yeah. it's to make you feel better, yeah. right? So that was to make him feel better, also. I mean, it's not. I'm not saying that he wasn't wrong for doing it, no, or that it was completely selfish because obviously it wasn't. But at that point, it was also a little bit of revenge for the antagonist also, right? Mm-hmm. When Ramon's got um, that guy strung up, I forgot his name, I apologize. Uh, uh, yeah, the, the, the in, barkeep. In Fistful of Dollars. Mm-hmm. Number one, he doesn't want Ramon to win at all, yeah. right? This is personal. He doesn't want Ramon to win. Let's say he had shot the barkeep before Clint got there. Clint's still going to kill Ramon. It doesn't matter, Yeah. right? It's all about Ramon. I keep going back and forth between doing the accent and not. Sorry. Um, it's all about Ramon losing and well, him to kill Ramon. Again, yeah. I just did it again. Well, I mean, that's how Clint does it the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's been talking about Ramon. Sergio Leone, uh, after he got to know Clint a little bit better and got to be friendly with him, he said, Clint, you have two expressions with hat and without the hat. <laughs> <laughs> Which is absolutely true. Uh, yeah. Because uh, his squint is, number one, because of the sun. Uh, number two, because of the uh, the lights they would have. Uh-huh. Uh, they were so bright, um, especially during probably some day for night stuff. Yeah. Uh, outside, they would have to be extremely bright. And so he would always be squinting because the lights were too bright. <laughs> Which is how you get his squinty look. Yeah. Which then, you know. I'm sure he used it when he created Dirty Harry. Now, exactly. God, I love Dirty Harry also. Uh, we could have done Dirty Harry. Okay. Uh, so, no, and no one can see what I just did. No, so. no regrets. No I'm, regrets. No regrets. Um, Not one single letter. Right. Yes. Fistful of Dollars. I do like this movie very much. Okay. Okay. I did feel, even though it is the shortest one, yes, I did feel it got a little slow in places, and it did feel a little tedious. I I agree at some points, which is unfortunate, but that's uh, how I feel. I did I did I did enjoy it. Um, there wasn't a moment that I didn't in, did not not enjoy. Right, but yeah, there were moments that I felt like were a little slow. Um, trying to think of one honestly i think it's because uh, at, until we we stick with ramon we are going back and forth between antagonists right yeah so after the very beginning um you know get three coffins ready beginning right yeah we we are introduced to these this group of antagonists right mm-hmm. and we keep bouncing back and forth between them and oh, the, I, I I had a hard time just sticking with who are we supposed to be paying attention to? The, oh, oh right? the, the the Baxters and the Rojos. Yeah. So I got a little confusing there. Not to the movie's detriment. It's probably mine that I just couldn't keep track. Um, and it just seemed a little slow to tease because the fact that it the movie came out of the gate with such excitement, such tension. Yeah. And the editing was perfect, and what he would later do with the next two installments and especially with Once Upon a Time in the West, where he really just honed in to that tension-filled editing style, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, it just got a little slow, right? Yeah. 
it's something he wouldn't do again, really. Yeah, I didn't feel like for a few dollars more. No, I, I didn't feel even though it is longer. I didn't feel like it slowed down. No, it felt shorter. And especially in the final one, no, it's all tension. The <laughs> yeah, whole it's movie. all action. It's all tension. Something is happening always. Yes, right. Um, but yeah, in this one, I mean, the reason why it's so amazing is because it's introducing the world to this character, mm-hmm. right? Uh, introducing the world to this new style of westerns. Right. Uh, of this sort of like I, I don't know what you thought westerns were, but this is this what ain't it. This is what it's going to be like now. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, don't get attached to any of these people. Yeah, because uh, you know, I definitely saw <clears throat> with these movies what later westerns would some would do well, mm-hmm. others would try to replicate. Yeah, and others wouldn't be able to do it. I agree. So, in, in terms of like moral ambiguity, uh, we have things like Three Ten to Yuma, um, <sighs> which yeah. I'm talking the remake. I apologize. Uh, yeah, not the original. Oh, I, I I've seen I've only seen the remake. Okay. I haven't seen the original. Um, and then we also have like the assassination of Jesse James. Oh my god! Which is amazing. Amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, uh, it's unbelievable. It's so great. And I think those films in particular have a debt to pay to Sergio Larry. Yeah. Um, ow. With <laughs> Jesus that was Christ. so loud. That was my elbow. Sorry, guys. Oh, my yeah, God. If anyone just heard a pop, uh, which I'm pretty sure you did, uh, it was Jerry's elbow. Yeah, that was my arm. I broke it. So I'm fine. The episode's going to stop. Oh, I just popped my seat. Okay, I need to stop. Anyway. Right. So... Um, but anyway, you're right with this moral ambiguity right. and, and this, you know, bloody violence, right? Um, I, mean, I just can't tell you how much I love that, right? Yeah. And how much we've been needing that, you know, in in the in the Western sphere. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like, again, I haven't seen many older westerns. I have seen one. I don't remember the title, but it did feel very clean cut mm-hmm. and I mean yeah it was dirty but like it didn't feel like a western mm-hmm. and with these I liked that everyone was dirty and everyone was sweating and yeah you know it felt more like what it probably would have been like mm-hmm. you know not I keep going back to back to the future but not like you know in part three mm-hmm. when Marty's like you know are you sure this is period ready oh, right and doc's like sure haven't you seen a western and he's in bright red right and pink and he's like i don't think clint eastwood would wear this <laughs> clint who yeah that's right you haven't but you know right. you know and with these I, I felt like yeah now we're seeing more lack of a better term the accurate description of the west right um again this is pre-deadwood so yeah Oh, Deadwood's also amazing. Uh, shout out to HBO. So, <laughs> here's what makes the spaghetti western so interesting. Okay. Number one, the the cost of making one of these is so low. Okay. I Be- because of the Italian crew they were able to use, uh, they don't cost as much. Uh, they can shoot faster, right? Which is why these movies came out a, a year, year apart. apart. Right. <laughs> Um, instead of your usual two or whatever, because they were able to shoot right away, right? Yeah. Um, even though <laughs> this is how fast Clint wasn't even attached to do another one uh, after Fistful of Dollars, then so he saw it um, and said, "Wow, that was really good." Okay, I'll do another one. He goes, "Okay, great. Here you go. <laughs> you know, here's your hat. Uh, fly back now." Yeah, exactly. And and so anyway, so those those reasons, right? Uh, the fact that Sergio doesn't really know the Hollywood rules yet, the the Hollywood codes yeah. uh, for rating systems back then, because uh, Jack Valenti hadn't spawned from Satan yet. <laughs> he hadn't uh, burst forth <laughs> that's, from Beelzebub. That's right. <laughs> he wasn't born of the Jackal yet, and so <laughs> we, we didn't have the rating system. <laughs> and so we had the we still had the codes, and uh, I'm sure Jack Valenti was alive then. Um, and so, but he didn't know the rules, right? Right. And we're going to get to the rules once we really dive into for a few dollars more, 
Um, but he oh, was, yeah. he was able to to shoot these crazy things that that you're you know as a a person in 1964 is like holy shit <gasps> my pearls <laughs> oh oh my god let me touch my pearls exactly right and here's the other thing this is a, this is going to be a little patty on the back uh, but how we shot the our short uh-huh. uh we shot it without sound. Yeah. So did they. Well, Everybody stubbed. So even technically, we did shoot with sound. We just didn't care. Right. We didn't use it. Yeah. Right. That's why we were having stupid ass conversations. Yeah. Anyway, these guys didn't shoot sound. Okay. And so, so everybody stubbed, which is why, Clint? which is yes, Clint, um, um, Lee, everybody. Oh, they would okay. just come back and just dub their their own dialogue in English, which is why it's a part of the soundtrack number one, which is why it sounds so loud when you're listening to people talk. Mm, okay. And two, they would also do the shooting effects, the sound effects, the the boots, the everything was done afterward. Wow. As they would say ADR. Wow. Um, yeah. That's impressive. I know. That's really impressive, especially for 1964. I know. It's pretty spot on. Where, where you know, at this point, they were experimenting with sound. Pretty much. I mean... I mean, I mean, it's not been, that much, but... No, I mean, it's been like, you know, 40 years since then. But, um, but they were, I mean, they were experimenting with, you know, animated movie style sound design, which is, you know, you animate the movie, you put sound over it, right? Yeah. Um, which is hard. Yeah. Right. Um, I remember, and this will make sense, I promise. Um, this was a million years ago. Uh, Disney Channel. <laughs> Disney uh, Channel original movies? Now, Disney Channel used to have this little, it was like a bumper um, where they would show a little behind the scenes footage of the new Disney movie coming out. Oh, yeah. And they would, every once in a while, show behind the scenes of the sound design of the animated films, right? Uh huh. And they would show people making footstep sounds. Yeah. You know, they would show... And, you know, it's so tedious. It takes forever, right? Because you have to make every sound. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're doing. Damn. I know. Because they shot it in silence. <laughs> so, I'm assuming it was just a situation where... Because booms weren't really that Well, no, no, no. Booms thing. existed. And, okay. you know, they would use them. But, you know, shooting outside, wind... That sucks. So they were just like, let's just get the camera. And of course, they have to dub anyway. Why not just dub everybody? That Um, makes sense. But it's really good because, you know, Clint, I mean, of course, you know, with English, you know, but the the point I'm making is they were able to get Clint's dub perfect with his mouth. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think if you're really looking, you'll see, you know, it doesn't exactly match and with uh, Lee Van Cleef also I felt like that a little bit but I, I was just like by that point I was like oh okay yeah. Um, I, I experienced something similar when I did the update video <laughs> because I recorded it on here but then filmed it and then I had to match the audio oh, to my mouth mm. that that took a minute because I was like <laughs> <laughs> but, but the fact that they did it for a almost two hour long movie and then yep. did it again in a two and a our 15 minute movie and then again and then again in a three hour long movie with civil war battle scenes <laughs> jesus christ i know so that's just how they do it i don't I, you know what well it's more power to them I, well, I mean it does it does help with i would assume um you know how they could do it so fast is because they probably weren't worried about how it sounded one more time Sorry. I think because they probably weren't worried about how it sounded. No, and they don't have to worry too much about, you know, on-set production issues like that. No. Right? Like, there's not cords everywhere and well, shit. Well, or just, you know, the cannon, you know, didn't fire as big as we needed to. Oh, that's okay. You that's know what fine. I mean? We'll make it sound like we'll that. We'll dub over. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Right? That's... Fuck, man. That's... That's great. But it allows for precision-like control of these not only with the the music which we'll get into here in a minute because Marconi, you know (laughs) needs to have a shrine built to him at this point Um, with the tension building with uh, with 
sound design beats, mm-hmm. uh, meaning you know emotional beats or right. right. Um, for example, let's just get into for a few dollars more. Okay. The shooting of the hats. Oh goddamn! That has to be precise, right? And it has to be in a rhythm, and it has to be perfect. No, you can't do that with onset stuff. There's too many variables. Yeah, especially with the the Lee Van Cleef part, right? You know, with with Cliff's hat in the air, right? They had to really make sure it was. Yes, exactly. And so having it to where you don't have to worry about it because we're all just going to do it afterward. Yeah, is you know put it here, 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 and here, and then we'll boom, you're done. You know? Yeah. That, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's it's, it's incredible. It's, it, and so, but speaking of music uh-huh. and sound design uh-huh. is Sergio told Marconi. Okay. I don't like calling him Sergio. We're going to call him Leone. Leone, because I don't know these people. Leone <laughs> said to Marconi, here's what I want. Here, he goes, and Marconi's, of course, is like, okay, cool. Well, once you give me the film, we'll be ready to go. He goes, uh-uh. Do it now. Do it first. Really? Because I want to play it for the actors. And so, and anytime you're seeing something with a gigantic uh, Marconi score, the actors can hear it too. So, uh-huh. and this is especially important once we get into the really tension-filled scenes, and of course, in the third installment... That's extremely important because the editing is done in such a way that that matters very, very much, and their emotions need to match. You know, and and you know, and I'm kind of glad we're on the music because watching these movies with fresh eyes, I realized that we, throughout our history of film, past the 1960s, we've heard these little tunes mm-hmm. throughout, you know, pop culture and right. other films. More specifically, in like really specific, the Modelo commercials using in the third installment when yeah you know the part I'm talking about because we'll get into it when we do that episode right but you know it was just so crazy that and now learning that the actors got to hear it yeah you know it makes me wonder if Cliff hearing it was like man I wonder if people like thirty years from now will know this and the answer is yes yeah 50 years from now people will know it right because like as soon as i heard it i was like no shit that's where this came from yeah Uh, and yeah so especially okay so if we get to um uh, for a few dollars more which as of right now is my favorite okay because i love bounty hunting i i think that it's the tightest uh, narrative structure of the three. I think yeah. it's. I would agree. I think it's also the perfect length. Um, last night, while I was watching both of them, um, I uh, I checked a fistful of dollars, and I checked how much time I had left. I, had, I was halfway. I was like, okay. <laughs> but then when I checked in a few dollars more, I checked. I had like twenty minutes left. I was like, like oh. what? I was like, oh shit. <laughs> Oh, damn. Uh, I think it's because in that one, there is one antagonist, right? Yeah. And then we have this this friendly rivalry between these two bounty hunters. Mm-hmm. Um, both cool as ice, man. These guys are awesome. Yeah. I think Lee Van Cleef is so cool. Yeah. Saved his career, by the way. Really? Yes. Uh, he was a heavy drinker at this point. He was in a really really low point in his life and especially in his career because no one would hire him anymore Yeah, because he drank so much. But once he kind of started easing up on the drinking, he got this job, he got the next job Yeah, and it revitalized his career and he did stuff until he died. Nice. He was in, you know, successful westerns after that and a couple other things but mostly westerns after that. Yeah. Wearing very similar outfits by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I mean, in the other ones too, not just in the, in the trilogy, really? but yeah, the other really, ones. yeah. So uh, it's like, it was like, if if I'm gonna do this movie, I need this. I need this trench coat. I need this hat. I need this flat brimmed hat. Thank you. And off we go. Um, and I need a pipe. Right. His pipe was so cool. Yeah. He's so cool. Um, 
And this is another example of using the same people. Mm-hmm. Um, even the kid. Yeah. Yeah. The kid in For a Few Dollars More is also in the other one, in the next one, which, again, you're hiding this from them for some reason. I, I don't know. And it's fine. It adds an air of mystery. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, this well, and 15 you know, movie needs mystery. You know someone out there, like myself, had probably never seen these movies. Ah, okay. So they probably have no idea. It's in the third installment. Yes. Right, in the very beginning. Um but anyway, so where was I going with uh, We were talking about music. We were talking about music. So, okay. At the very end, we have another standoff, right? Mm-hmm. Again, they heard all of it. So they heard the Marconi score and the Marconi um, chime for the, uh, for the, the watches. watches, right? Oh, okay. And of course extremely important because they have to time it just right right because once the chime stops that's when they draw right right and so that's very important uh, to time it correctly of course you can you can cheat it with editing and things like that but the emotions are there to help the actors to hear the music mm-hmm. right and you can feel it you can feel they can hear it also yeah. almost right like they're in it too it becomes almost diegetic. Yeah. Um, even though we know it's not. Except for the chime, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that was probably the most intense scene of that movie. Yeah. Is is Lee Van Cleef and... Um, can't think of that actor's name. The, oh, yeah. Um, uh, Gian Volente. Him. Um, Volente. Yeah, they're just like staring each other down. And all you can hear is the chime and then... And the then the score. swell of the Marconi score. But what's brilliant about it is it goes away when the chime's about to end and all we can hear is the chime again. Yeah. Right? So we begin with the chime, then we swell the music, and then the music dies out, and then we hear the end of the chime. It's brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. It, it was awesome. Music design. Marconi. Ugh. Amazing. And then, you know, then Clint's just sitting there on the side like... <laughs> just like, like <laughs> His fingers aren't even on the trigger anymore. Yeah. <laughs> He's just watching, you know? Yeah. Because this has nothing to do with him anymore. Yeah. Because right? it's personal. Right. At that point, he realizes how personal it is between the two of them. It's not just about the money. Mm-hmm. Right? Um. Again, bounty hunting is so cool. And I, I think that, <laughs> that I, again, is why I like the movie so much. Well, I, um, I loved that not once in that movie we ever heard the term bounty hunter. No. It was bounty killer. Yeah. That, I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty tight. It's, it's so much easier dead, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because if you take them alive, you gotta, you gotta pretty much keep them knocked down. Or a different option, which we'll see in the third one. Yes. Um, playing with that moral ambiguity. Um, all right. So, Ray. So, Jeremy. Out of the two... Okay. Which which one's your favorite out of the two so far? So, so far, between a fistful of dollars and for a few dollars more, um, it would probably be for a few dollars more. Um, I, I, I did enjoy Fistful of Dollars. Mm-hmm. I th- loved the emotion. I loved the tension. You know, Clint kills it. You yeah. Know. And, of course, now knowing that that was his very first role and the fact that he killed it so well in his first role kind of makes everything he did after that so much cooler. Yeah. You know, like Gran Torino I see with new eyes now. Now, I'm glad you brought up Gran Torino. <laughs> because I was thinking about that while I was watching the movie because I was thinking to myself, I was like, people really like Gran Torino. I'm not one of those people. Really? Yeah, not really. I loved it. I thought it was great. That's what everybody says. And, I, and didn't Clint direct that one? Yes. Now, Clint, um, shortly after this, will become one of the greatest film directors in Hollywood. Yeah, bruh. Um, starting but, starting with Outlaw Josie Wales? I don't know if that's true. Um, I don't know. So you're you're up shit's creek. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, but Because obviously these are not a Clint Eastwood movie. But uh, later on, he will start directing them himself. Uh, and... On we go, and right? Just winning Oscars left and right, right. And so um, his his westerns are a product of 
of this? Yes. Okay. Because, again, this is how we get things like Unforgiven, right? Yeah. We, we get this morally ambiguous protagonist <laughs> having to jump back into this life that he thought he had left behind mm-hmm. for reasons unknown and having to throw the gun back on and start killing people again, right? Yeah. Um, this, of course, is just like this, right? Yeah. It's almost like the character in Unforgiven is Joe, right? Okay. We can make that argument. It's probably not true, but it's fun to think about. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, this, this gun-toting drifter who's just killing everyone he sees... Right, yeah. ends up being this guy from Unforgiven, which is a great movie, by the way. If you haven't seen Unforgiven, um, but the other thing I wanted to bring up about why I I liked for a few dollars more, a little bit more, uh, more than fistful dollars, is I liked that um, Sergio progressed the character. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, you know as we just discussed that legally he's not Joe anymore, right. but he is the same character. So I like that he 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 almost kind of aged him a little mm-hmm. by having him wear a brace, right? Which I loved. I was like, because when he tries to shoot without it at one point, he's shaking, right? Uh, and so when he wears the brace, he's fine. And I was like, that's so fucking smart. Yeah, that's so smart. Yeah, you know. And of course, you know, making him look, you know, looked weathered from the previous movie with. The bullet holes in the poncho, and so that was something I love. Yeah, I love character progression, even in subtle ways, like with costume and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that. I think it's great, especially for storytelling. Right. Um, now that we're on for a few dollars more, I can talk about the Hollywood rules. So yes. This one broke a bunch, and of course, Sergio didn't do it on purpose. Uh, he just he, didn't know. He just did it because, like, that'll be cool. Yeah, he, he had no idea. That these are rules that you that you weren't allowed to break, and I'm sure Hollywood, 1965 Hollywood's like, do you see what this Italian's doing? <laughs> He's breaking our rules. One of them uh, being the shooter and the victim being in the same shot. Oh yeah, yeah, because because we see um, Morton Mortimer kill his first bounty and and it's a one shot I mean yeah so we see him shoot him in one shot right yeah Uh, it's not a cut him shoot cut to the guy getting hit that's it it was one right right so that's a rule you can't break two uh, marijuana usage really there's didn't notice but it's in there (laughs) really a rape scene oh yeah yeah, that one. That one's less ambiguous about. Is that a rule or is it not? That one's a rule, especially in uh, at this time it was sixty five. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can't do that, right? Yeah. But of course, it it makes Indio way more menacing and, yeah. and it's sadistic. Way more terrible, right? Yeah. Uh, and we're really excited to see him die later. So, oh yeah, <laughs> especially now. Right, and we, and of course now we get to the revenge part of you know uh, the colonel and his motivations and whatever. Mm-hmm. And animal cruelty. Um, uh, well, one was animal cruelty. The other one was having a horse be shot, um, which it wasn't really shot. That wasn't the animal cruelty. That was just a rule that you couldn't break. Is showing a horse being shot. When does the horse get shot? I think it's in the very beginning. He um, Lee Van Cleef shoots the horse. Yeah, out he's under on that the guy. horse and shoots the horse. Right, yeah. yep, yep, out yep, from yep. under that guy. Right, you couldn't do that at the time either. Uh, one of them, it was a small. <laughs> it's a stupid thing, but you know how the animal rights people are. Um, was it when he fucking kills the? It was the, the beetle. Buck. Yeah. Oh, well, he doesn't kill it. He just smashes it and then flicks it away. Yep, that's it. Wow. I know. Wow. Yeah, you know how animal rights people are. Um, of course, I mean, now, you know, learning what we did on set with, you know, Scott, you know, even any scene involving any animal, they have to get, like, approval. And it's super annoying. Yeah. yeah those people are out of their minds. Yeah. Okay, animals are fine. Whatever. Like, I'm not anti-animal. I'm just saying that it, it was a bug. It's fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? It probably wandered on the table 
And he was probably like... You think it's Godfather rules? You think a cat just walked around and he just picked it up? You think it's like that? Yes! Absolutely! (laughs) There's no way Sergio probably was like, yo, dog. Yo. Yo. Give me that bug. I need a black beetle. That's funny. Right now. (laughs) And they're like, yo, dog, what kind you need? And he's like, just give me a black beetle. I know. It had to have just wandered. You're probably right. I'm just saying. My second reason for loving this film, again, we're on a few dollars more. Yes. Is it's a heist movie also. Yeah, dog. Right? And I love heist movies. And so we we get, and I know we've talked about heist movies before. I won't get into it. But, you know, we get the getting a crew together. We get the, okay, imagine the safe is right here. You stand there. We're planning it out. We're executing Mm -hmm. it. We get to see them step-by-step plan it out, which is also fun. You know, counting how many seconds it takes for the guards to walk around the building, blah, blah, all that stuff, Mm -hmm. which I love. And third, Klaus Kinski is in the movie. He is the hunchback. Oh, yeah, yeah. He is a German actor Mm. um, who is most famous for Aguirre, The Wrath of God. Uh, He was also in... Um, Nosferatu the Vampire and uh. in another spaghetti western The Great Silence which in sub-genres for westerns it is a snow western it takes place in the dead of winter so mm. uh, much like The Hateful Eight is also a snow western as well ah yeah interesting uh, love this guy he's amazing um, and so his stuff is dubbed too <laughs> because he's speaking German yeah right and you can tell that he's different for everybody else because he has a very distinct face. Yeah. Right? Um, which is why he was perfect to play the vampire in Osferatu. Um, but again, he's also fair-skinned. He's blonde. You know, extremely different from everybody else on you know in the movie. Mm-hmm. And so he, he kind of sticks out. Right? And it's cool that he was in the movie. I mean, I don't, you know, know what kind of relationship he has with those people or how he got to be in the movie, but... Yeah, and and making it so far, you know. Yeah. He makes it pretty well into the movie. He does, I know. Before he gets shot. Yeah, the colonel shoots him. And kind of a bitch move, too. Yeah, all right. I'm just going to say, like, the colonel was a great character, but that's such a bitch move. He has a hidden tiny gun in his fucking... Tiny gun. That's a bitch move. No, it's a tiny gun. It's cool. That's no, a bitch move. Boom, tiny guy. Boom. It's it's a bitch move is yeah, what right. it is. He could have Fine. easily probably grabbed his full-size gun and smacked him. But no, he's like, I'm not going to make it. Bitch move. Here's what I would have loved. Okay. We're moving off of class, by the way. Um, is if the coffin maker uh-huh. was that old man. Oh, yeah. It's not. I, I don't think. I straight up thought it was. So did I. And the first time I saw it, and I was like, that's ah, not. But that would have been really cool, right? Another connection. Yeah. Between, and it would have been like how he knows him in the first place, right? Yeah. Because it did seem like they knew each other fairly mm-hmm. well. You know, and, and, and you know, and that towards the end of A Fistful of Dollars, he has kind of a relationship with right. the coffin maker. So. Who is so skilled he can just measure you yeah, by, by looking at you. Goddamn. Yeah. I mean, you've seen that town. That's all he does all day. You know know, what I mean? You can't make him fast enough. (sighs) He's oh, God. Here comes another one. Uh, Poor guy. I know, He's so old. So old. So old. I know. How long have we been talking? An hour and ten minutes. Sweet. So. Everyone just heard that. Yeah. That's right. So. All right. (laughs) Final thoughts. Fistful of dollars for a few dollars more. We're almost there. We got one more to go. Yep. Um, did you enjoy yourself? Because, you know, again, this is one of those where it's it's a Western. Mm-hmm. Some people don't like those. Uh, it can be tedious. It can be boring, especially in the first one. Uh, near the middle, it was a little, you know, slow. I, I, I did enjoy myself. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed it. I... <sighs> I don't have a problem with westerns. Cool. Um, and you're probably going to make fun of me, and some or someone's probably going to make fun of me. And I attribute that to not seeing westerns till I got older. Mm-hmm. 
And I think the first real Western I saw, uh, when I say real, let's take out real, the first Western I remember seeing is Joel Nathan Cohen's remake of True Grit. Okay. Loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Yep. Of course, I'm a big Jeff Bridges fan, uh-huh. so I couldn't say no to that. Right. And it was Joel and Ethan Cohen. Uh-huh. Very dialogue heavy, and it was great. I loved it. Um, and then after that, it was Django. Mm-hmm. Loved that, too. Um, and so I, I feel like seeing those so late in my life mm-hmm. um, made me kind of open to watching older Westerns, because I loved all three of the movies, thought they were great. There was one instance while I was watching Fistful uh, for a few dollars more that I was like, yeah, I wonder how much I have. Holy fuck, I have an hour and a half left. <laughs> um, because I had to... So I watched all three last night. Back, all back three? Back. Last all three. night? Last night. That's... Uh, Got done at midnight. That's Started uh, at one. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a chunk of time. <laughs> but anyway, um, well, me and Ashley went over to her... Uh, me and Mom paused to have dinner. So I brought them with me. So I could watch, mm-hmm. and because I only had uh, like twenty minutes left of fistful of dollars to finish, and then I started. Oh, the best part. Yeah, then I started uh, for a few dollars more, and yeah, I got up at one point to get a drink and get a snack, and I paused it, and I was like, yeah, I should, I should be towards the end, right? And then I was like, oh uh, dear God, no, I'm not. Um, but that didn't turn me off. I was right. like, I was like, that means I just have a lot more story to cover. So I, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I felt, again, I felt like Fistful Dollars did get slow in some parts. Right. Um, but I still enjoyed it. Again, uh, it's one of those weird instances where they just get better every time. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I, I was going to make a joke about how, like, you know, whoever out there says, you know, sequels don't make movies better, fuck you. All three of these do. Yeah. But, that, but I mean, I pretty much just did the joke. But, but no, like, yeah, like, going from... Fistful dollars to a few dollars more, like it, tonally and and uh, film wise, it felt like a completely different movie. Mm-hmm. Even though it was the sequel, right? You know, Sergio almost had just the feel of it was completely different. Yeah, they they do sort of feel anthology ish, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you could probably watch them in any order you wanted, I guess, <laughs> because it doesn't matter. Um, but you know, apart from like we talked about, you know, wardrobe details, mm-hmm. um, like the the cuff on the hand, the the brace, mm-hmm. his poncho, things like that. I mean, it's you know, obviously they do go in a certain order, but they don't have to necessarily. Yeah. Um, he doesn't meet the same people again. Yeah, not really. Yeah, he doesn't, doesn't have people. he doesn't have a you know a wacky sidekick. No, which I would hate by the way. Not even not even he he doesn't even have the same horse each movie. No, <laughs> no he doesn't. He's got pretty much a, a donkey in the first one, mm-hmm. then horses in the next two, and they're yeah. completely different horses. Right. So you're right. It, it again. Technically, they are different people. Yeah. If we want to get technical with it, because they all have different names. Um. But, yeah, yeah, you're right. They do get, I mean, obviously they get better every time. Yeah, they, yeah. I, I, I felt that. And Especially when we get to the final movie. And next week, we will. Yes. Um, ladies and gentlemen, next week. Part two. Jeremy, would you like to tell the movie if they haven't already guessed it? The good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes. Uh Usually, most people know that title. Uh, I've learned, even if they've never seen the movie, mm-hmm. they know the title. Yes, it's extremely popular and very uh, upfront in pop culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, is at the forefront. Um, it is said to be one of the greatest westerns of all time. Uh, I would agree. And it has one of the most well-known Marconi scores of any movie. Yes. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, a lot of these pieces that he wrote for this movie ended up in a Modelo commercial. Actually, is in all the Modelo Special commercials. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, this one is the epic of the series. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we start very small and intimate. We get a little bit bigger mm-hmm. and a little little wider scope with for a few dollars more, and then we just go all out yeah. on the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. And this is this is going to be nuts, you guys. This one it's a bunch of stuff that's being thrown at you. There's so much in the narrative, especially for myself. I'm watching the extended cut, which is three hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. And peek behind the curtain. We were gonna we were gonna just do all three of them today. Tonight, yeah. So everyone, just to let you know, a little little insider secret. We were gonna film both film record both parts tonight, but no, man. If the good man the ugly has too much, I, I I need to go and I need to meticulously do this one. Well, I'm glad you told me there's a, an extended because now I want to find it and watch it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, rewatch it. It is part of the Kino Lower Kino Classics. Um, all three are. Uh, shout out to Kino. Uh, if you guys are Blu-ray collectors, they yeah. have a whole bunch. Uh, Criterion and Kino, please sponsor us. <laughs> no, don't because then we won't be able to use music. But or just uh, give us free movies. Yeah, please. give us free movies. Uh, that's fine. Here's our lists. Yeah, give us these movies. <laughs> so Kino Lower again has all of the. Uh, the the man with no name trilogy independently uh i do think that later on so that's why i got your collection yes (laughs) later on uh i think next month uh they will have the sergio leone collection and that's going to be those three and fistful of dynamite aka duck you sucker um another spaghetti western that's this (laughs) one is sucker (laughs) yeah this one is tons of fun this one is a lot more (laughs) it's a little more silly it's a little more animated um less serious than 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 these the trilogy yeah okay um but anyway next week the good the bad the ugly it's gonna be very exciting i can't wait Yes, uh, neither can I. So we hope everyone enjoyed um, Fistful of Dollars and for a few dollars more. We know we didn't really talk about the plot, but that's all right. It's fine. It's all right. Um, And we will see everyone next week for part two.